Good morning. I like to hear everybody chatter this morning. It makes me happy. I'm a connection kind of guy, and I love to see you guys all connecting well this morning. Super thankful, super, super thankful to be back today uh, with you guys. I think uh, first Friday of the month is always my uh, favorite Friday of the month. Of course, we all love every Friday of the month because it means the weekend's coming, but especially the first Friday because we get to spend it with you guys and so thankful that you guys choose to be here on, on a Friday morning. Um, you know, I don't share much about my family, but I mean, um, some of you are my friends on Facebook and, and uh, Instagram and whatnot, and uh, our family just returned from a family missions trip to Peru, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, I've done missions for years. Me and my wife both have been to almost every continent uh, in doing short-term missions. And this morning, um, I wanted to share a little something with you um, from our trip. You know, when, when Crystal and I got married, we both determined that uh, because we both had traveled the world and, and, and seen God's people everywhere and, and been able to, to share our faith with people all over, we really determined that, you know, our kids were in, have been in private school and we see a lot of kids that come through um, Christian schools, private schools, and, and they've been poured into year after year after year. And then they leave school and then some of them just go wild. I'm like, why, why do kids do that? Like you've had God's word poured into you year after year after year. And a lot of times it's because it's an inflow, but no outflow. And so with missions, it's an inflow and an outflow. You get to use what you've learned and all that stuff that's been put into you. And even for us, I mean, believe me, every time I go and I have to speak in front of hundreds of people, I mean, it makes your heart rate come up a little bit, you know, but the good thing about missions is it makes you step out of yourself. Uh, and completely out of who you are and out of your comfort zone to share what really and truly you, you know and you've known your whole life probably, but you've got to give it away. You know, the whole thing about the gospel is not that I'm going to take it for me. It's for me to get it and then to share it. And so that's kind of what happened. But I want to share just a real quick clip from my nine-year-old who, um, who had an opportunity to share at a school. We were um, all over the country there, Peru. We were in a little town called Cajamarca, which is a real small little, little village. Not I say village. It, it's several, probably 100,000 people, but it's surrounded by mountains and it's in this cool little valley. But we had an opportunity to share in a school and I wanted to share this moment. You know, one thing I love about uh, being out um, is that you can not only just share the message of salvation, but the fact that Jesus healed back in the Bible times, but Jesus is still alive and Jesus is still healing people. And so that was part of the full gospel we were able to share. But this is a little clip from my nine-year-old who was able to share in, share in a school. So I wanted, wanted you to see this. Por toda la eternidad. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for our sins. Cuando Jesús murió en la cruz, no solamente lo hizo por nuestros pecados. He suffered. Él sufrió. So we don't have to be sick. Para que no tuviésemos que estar enfermos. Jesus healed while he was on earth, and he still heals today. Jesús sanó cuando estaba en la tierra y sigue sanando aún el día de hoy. If, is there anyone here that's sick? Jesus wants to heal you right now. Si hay alguien que está acá enfermo, Jesús quiere sanarte ahora mismo. Is there anyone here who is, in se- who is sick or in pain? Hay alguien acá que esté enfermo o que esté con dolor? Or is there anyone who has a tumor or a, tumor or a deaf ear? O hay alguien que de repente le han dicho que tiene un tumor o un oído que está sordo? If so, place your hand on it. Si es así, por favor, pon tu mano donde te duele o tienes la enfermedad. Jesus will place his hand on your hand and heal you right where you are. Jesús va a poner su mano sobre la tuya ahí mismo donde tú estás. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Incline su cabeza y cierre sus ojos. Let's pray. Vamos a orar, pero no repita. Anyway, um, I want to show one more photo of that. Thank you. There's a little photo here. 
this little girl came up after, and I was, it was so in the moment that, you know, you have a choice most of the time in your life. You have a moment. You can either capture the moment or you can be in the moment, and that I decided to be in the moment and get, I got a photo instead. But, you know, Grayson, um, some of you know about Grayson. Grayson had epilepsy when he was uh, four, multiple, multiple seizures, and had a really tough time. And then the entire time he was sick, we continued to stand on God's word, saying that by Jesus' stripes he would be healed. And he said that over his own life. And um, two years later, after that process, he was declared completely redeemed and healed from, from epilepsy. So Grayson has a real call in his life to share about healing. And so that was his, his moment. And so uh, here we are in a school of 600 kids, and this one girl, there were multiple kids that came up and said they were healed of all kinds of things, everything from a headache to stomach ache to I hurt my ankle. And we prayed, that he, you know, completely went away. But this little girl in particular came up and had a, a growth on her arm, like a sizable growth. And um, she said after we prayed that the growth, and we felt there was nothing on her arm, like completely disappeared. So we had a teacher come over and say, you know, is this true? And she said, yeah, when she came to school today, she had a big bump on her arm. She goes, it's gone, completely gone. So, you know, you wonder, you wonder, well, is he, you know, is he old enough? Is he holy enough? Is he anointed enough to be able to pray that prayer? God's word is God's word, whether it's we speak it or kids speak it. So I just want to share that with you today and encourage you. I've been encouraged by it all week long, so... Um, really excited to be back with you guys today and excited to be um, in a place where um, really thinking a lot about salvation, really thinking a lot about um, people's needs being met. And today, I'm really excited to have Mark Delaney with us today to help uh, to be here to share. You know, Mark and his family have been um, involved in ministry for 24 years. Uh, His wife, Adina, has taught my son Zane in sixth grade and, and was by far his favorite teacher this year. Uh, just because she's, their family is so word-centered. So no matter what they were studying, it was always God's word. How does that apply to your life? How does that, how does that make sense to you? What, how can you apply that later in life? And I love teachers that make us think. And I know that she was that way. I know Mark is that way. Mark teaches here at the school as well, teaches Bible. Um, all three of their children have graduated from Lincoln, um, which is phenomenal. And they're in ministry today. Uh, Mark loves to challenge young people, both in school and athletics. Uh, he's an accomplished referee, so you can either enjoy him this morning or you can yell at him later. Uh, hopefully you won't throw things at him, which happens a lot. Um, but we're super thankful to have him today, and I want him to come up. And um, afterwards, I want to give, let you know we're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to have prayer uh, partners here. Some, we have several guys here that are going to pray. We'll be right up here on, the, on this side of the room. So just know at the end of, end of his uh, message today, if there's anything you need prayer for, I mean, this is a safe place, guys. You know, if you can't pray here in God's house, it'd be difficult to pray anywhere else. So if there's anything you need today, There'll be several of us standing over there, and we'd love to agree with you in prayer. But this morning, welcome, Mark. Good morning, guys. So uh, it's fun teaching. I do it every day with mostly eighth graders and ninth and tenth graders. And uh, Zane, hopefully, maybe I'll have him this year, by the way, wherever you just went, Johnny. Uh, my wife and I both teach at the school. Uh, her, her teaching style is like a museum. Uh, I mean, the way she teaches and organizes everything. My wife can organize the entire planet but me. And uh, she just loves me. She realizes she can't organize me. So when you go to her classroom, it's like a museum. And then the kids come to my classroom, and it's like night at the museum. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yeah. So some of you guys don't know me, and you don't know why you should listen to me, or if you should. So I brought my credentials today to show you. Matthew, read my credentials here, please. This pretty much tells you all you need to know about me and why you can maybe not agree with me, but you can definitely listen to me. 
my credentials, my Cleveland Browns hat. And some of you are in stunned silence right now. <laughs> some of you are like, you've just told us why we should not listen to anything you say. Come on now, give a guy a chance. If this doesn't speak of loyalty, I don't know what does. Come on now. Nobody has ever, when I wear this thing on Saturday morning garage sale runs, no one has ever said to me, front runner, bandwagon fan. No, it doesn't happen. Hey, you guys are going to have to loosen up. This is the classroom today. You're going to have to have some fun with me, all right? Um, you know, I, I was going to wear this, but as a teacher, I have, this is the first day I've done my hair this summer. I don't want to mess it up. And, uh, actually, most of the summer, I spend uh, umpiring baseball about five or six days a week. I brought some of my umpire buddies with me over here in this corner. How many of you right now just want to say, come on, Blue? Come on, Blue. Go ahead, say it if you want. Come on, Blue. (laughs) We consider that a compliment in words of encouragement. (laughs) Come on, Blue. Give us some more. No, there's more for you. There's more for you. Is there anything more important as far as the leadership position in life and the leadership position of a father? There's There's nothing more important the leadership position of being a father. I don't care what opportunities you have in life or what levels of business or the thousands of people you might, get, you might get to influence. There's no more important position than the position of being a father and that role in our life. I want to talk to you about parenting a little bit. And if, I, if, you, if you allow me to, I want to talk about kind of a, a paradigm or a, a big picture look at, at parenting. I'm very passionate, as is my wife, about, about family. Because if you want to just strip away all the layers of life, what it comes down to for you and I is keeping our home where it belongs. And a big part of that is keeping our home in God's house. I'm telling you, if you want to simplify life, keep Jesus in your home and keep your family in God's house. I'm telling you. I I am not a parenting expert. I was not a rock star dad. But I'm telling you, I just held on to simple bits of wisdom from God's word in helping to lead my kids. Keep it simple. Keep your family in church on a regular basis around the people of God. Because there are times as a dad you don't have a clue what to do. Take them to God's house. And there'll be some other Sunday school teacher. There'll be some other person that just rubs shoulders with your son or daughter and speaks into their life. And you're just, you're in the sanctuary praying, saying, God, I don't know what to do with my kid. And God's like, well, I know you don't. That's why they're in that room over there getting taught by that volunteer. I'm speaking through them today. So teaching kids for a long time, I've noticed a a pressure that kids put on themselves that also translates to parents putting pressures on themselves. And I want to get to that, but kind of the long way around. I want to look at parenting from a kind of the way a farmer looks at land. 
And I want to look at three basic stages of a person's life. As you look at a person's life, looking at the huge picture. And the first stage is birth to 12, and this is the preparing of the ground. In this, this stage of life, by the way, how many of you have kids somewhere in this age realm? Yeah, if you want to teach them anything, teach them now. You don't teach your kids a whole lot of anything beyond the age of 12. You really don't. The most important things you will ever teach a person in their life happen in these ages. Things like respect. You show me a 14-year-old kid that does not naturally have a respect for authority, they may never have it. You teach them that in these ages. Um, Telling the truth. This is when you teach them. You show me a 16-year-old who's a liar, he'll probably be lying when he's 36. You teach him now. Um, Don't steal. I was teaching seventh grade boys this year, class of 24 seventh grade boys right before lunch. Yeah, I survived that. 20 years of this helped me. I said, all right, boys, I'm going to test you guys today. And so I'm going to test you to let you know how you're doing. Because kids never know how they're doing. Lots of times they feel like they're just not very good. They think they don't measure up. They think God hates them. They think their parents are frustrated at them. They don't, they don't think they're popular enough. Kids struggle with how am I doing? I said, I'm going to let you know how you're doing today. I'm going to simply ask you two things. And if these two things are not a problem for you, you're doing a good job. If one of these two things is a problem for you, you have one foot in hell. (laughs) And they're paying attention. (laughs) Yeah. When you're teaching seventh grade boys before lunch, you got to give it to them. Or they're just, they're not there. So you tell them something like that. If one of these two things is a problem for you, you have one foot in hell. And they're quiet for the first time in like two months. And it was simply this, do you lie? Do you steal? And so, hey, seventh grade boy, if if those two things are values that you have in your life, I don't lie and I don't steal, young man, you're doing a whole lot better than you think. You really are. I mean, how much trouble have we stayed out of in our lives as men simply because we didn't lie and steal? That's being a man. That may sound way too simple, but lie and steal just a little bit and see where that gets you in life. Then, of course, I finished by telling them, listen, young man, you still lie? (laughs) I won't finish what I told him there. (laughs) So, um, by the way, the last one here is obedience. Let me go back to the stealing thing for a second. I had a little kleptomaniac in my family. He first, uh, this first showed itself in, uh, he was about six years old, came home from the grocery store with mama all excited. And as soon as he got in the door, he said, daddy, look what I got. And about as soon as he said that, he realized mama's right behind him. And she said, where'd you get that? Well, someone who might be in this room, who might be 22 now, 
and might be teaching our first and second graders at church on the move. He had taken it from the grocery store. So I took him back, spoke with a manager, and then they took him. I stayed at the main level, and they took him into this little door in the front of the, uh, of the grocery store, up these little, this little flight of stairs, this dingy, dungy kind of stairway, and that door slammed shut behind him. Matthew and a security guard and a store manager. And he came back, and we're all good, until fourth grade came along. Can, can I just interject something? Discipline is a process, not an event. It's a process, not an event. Don't think that as a father, your job is to change a child immediately when something is going on in them. It's a process. So our process continued in fourth grade. This was when Matthew stole a beautiful cross necklace from a Christian bookstore and gave it to a friend. Yeah. What a giving young man, <laughs> like Robin Hood. So I'm like, all right. So I get this idea. So, of course, we're going to go back to the Christian bookstore with this cross necklace that he stole and gave to a friend. And before we go there, I said, Matthew, I'm going to take you somewhere. So I took him to the juvenile justice center. And I explained to him that it was a jail for kids. I let his mind just wander. I said, because I don't know what they're going to say at the Christian bookstore when you bring back this. You stole this necklace. So just in case, I took him inside the Jewel Justice Center, walked in there to a security guard, guy with wearing full apparel, the police officer. I pulled him aside and said, sir, my son just stole. He said, you want me to take him on a tour? I said, yes, I do. And I stayed out front, and Matthew, fourth grader, got a tour of the Juvenile Justice Center. He walked back out, and we got in the van, and I couldn't wait till we got to that Christian bookstore. Because his little knees were just a shaking. They were just a shaking. And mine were too. And I couldn't wait till we finally got in there, and he told the, the, the store manager that he had stolen this, and here's the money he's going to pay for it. And, and when that man, of course, gave grace and mercy... I don't know who was more relieved, Matthew or myself. <laughs> uh, there are things that you teach your kids when you're young or you won't teach them at all. Things like respect. My son, Andrew, who I'm very proud of, he is so, he's so good at respect right now. He was so horrible at it when he was younger. Horrible. I'm telling you, when he was younger, he could be the most annoying individual on the planet. Ask his older brother or sister. They'll tell you the stories. And one time, these two, Matthew and Andrew, were getting into it. And they were probably about, Matthew was probably 16 and, and strong. And Andrew was uh, 12 and had a strong mouth. And uh, he, would just, he would just be as annoying as can be. And something happened, and I knew it was Andrew's fault. And, of course, they both had a side of the story I just shut it down. I ain't listening to this. Get in the car. So we got in the car. We went to lunch. And we're sitting there eating a nice little lunch together. Of course, they know something's coming. In the middle of lunch, I said, Matthew, 
If your brother acts like that again, you need to punch him in the nose. Now, I know this isn't parenting 101. I told you. I told you I wasn't some kind of great parent. I'm just telling you what happened. And so I said, listen, if you care about your brother at all, you know that if he acts like that, he will not have any friends when he gets older. So the next time he does that, you punch him in the nose. Anyway, whatever. Remember, I'm a Browns fan, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. But I'll reiterate, in this age right now, some people, when they look at their kids when they're six, seven, and eight, they're like, oh, it's just cutesy, funsy time. Anything important in life, you better teach them during this stage because you can't reach them with it later. You don't teach 16-year-olds respect. You might put up with their disrespect, <laughs> but you can't teach them respect when they're 16. By the way, these things are values that you teach them. You teach them the value of obedience. You don't just stomp around the house, I am the king. You must obey or I destroy you. It's the value. You teach them to value obedience. They see the result of it. They see the benefit of it. Let's go to this next stage. If this stage is preparing the ground, notice we have strong boundaries. When, when our kids are this age, we're holding their hand a lot. They're very close all the time. This next stage, of course, all you farmers out there, this is seed time. This stage in life is seed time. You'll understand the importance of that in a minute. Um, Let's get in here for a second. Everything in this age, this time in life, we filter their activities for the future. I'm thinking about the future. Everything in this stage, I'm thinking about the future. How is this activity preparing them for the future? It's so easy to get lost in this. Can I tell you the number one thing I see in kids this age? They feel a pressure that they have to be great at something right now. I see it in the kids in the high school and junior high all the time. They think they have to be great at something. And I tell them all the time, you don't have to be great at anything right now. You don't have to be great at... You may never get, there are kids that are 14 years old, and I'll say, I'll say to them, listen, you may not get an A in math the rest of your life. Who cares? Is this being recorded? Because I'm a teacher, and I just said that. And I will say that to some kids, because kids get stuck in this bubble of education, and they can think that their future is dependent upon the number of A's they get. And I just don't see in God's word where it says that the level of your education determines the level of your destiny. I don't see that anywhere. So I can't faithfully look at a 14-year-old boy and say, listen, you're not going to make anything of your life unless you're getting straight A's. I can't tell them that. I know God's not telling them that. I know there are kids who have great gifting with their hands. They have great giftings that fit outside of the educational bubble they're in. And God has great things designed for them. It just doesn't show up in the educational world so much. Some of you guys have some kids 
They're bringing home C's and D's all the time. The level of talent and gifting inside of your kids is not determined by the level of their grades. I teach some kids that are straight C students, and God love them, I see more in them than some of the straight A students. Mm. This is seed time. What's this other stuff mean? I'll have to go to my notes. Um, in seed time, it's important that we spread the seed. That may sound very simple, but I see this in families. We have this, all this land represents the, the, the bulk of a kid's life. And I see families who are putting a ton of seed right here and just everything else is just kind of left dormant. There are various facets of your kid's life. Don't put all your seeds in one little corner of the field. It's not healthy for them. This is very easy to, easy to happen in our activities. There's not a single person in this room who's raising a ball player. You're raising a young man. Don't lose sight of that. Don't get so activity-based that you're thinking that you're raising a ball player, not raising a child of God. Spread your seeds over the foundation of their life. Make sure that they're, you're seeding well their spiritual life by keeping them hooked into the church and the things of God. Make sure that you're investing in your family Families shouldn't be chasing kids. Kids need to chase the family. Just because your kid is busy does not necessarily mean what they're busy with is preparing them for here. Spread your seeds. I think I wrote this wrong. It should be an E, I believe. This is a time in life for empowering your kids, not controlling them. It's a problem Christian parents can have. We feel like we have to control our kids and make them be like Jesus. It has the opposite effect. This is a time in life for empowering your kids. The boundaries become less during this time. Oh, you can always see them. You know what's going on, but you kind of let go of that leash that was around their neck. You let them begin to live a little bit. Let them experience, see how they do. They're going to fall every now and then, but this is a time in life of letting go of the leash a little bit and empowering them. Let's go quickly to this next stage. This, of course, is the harvest. What would you want the harvest to be for your child? What would you want the harvest to be? And to me, and I teach this to my, my students all the time, as 14 years old. Here's what I tell them. There's only three things in life that matter. Three things in life that matter. Number one, will they know how to follow God? Every day I'm teaching 14-year-olds, I'm looking at them, thinking about that question. 
when they are 24, will they know how to follow God? Number two, will they know how to fall in love? That's that decision, as you guys know now, is one of the most life-altering decisions you'd ever make. Do you know how to fall in love? Do you know who to fall in love with? And the third thing is, will they be the kind of leader that can raise a kid? You show me a man that knows how to follow God and knows how to love his woman and knows how to raise his kid, everything else is pretty much extracurricular. As you, you, you got to parent on purpose. And if, this, if something like this is your driving factor, you're not thinking, how great can my kid at, be at, at academics? How high a score can he get on his ACT? How great can he be at this sport? Can he get a scholarship? See, I just don't think that your activities determine your destiny. I think what you've got to have, a young man has to have purpose in his heart. He's got to understand who he is and what he's created for. And sometimes in childhood, kids get stuck in this bubble where they feel like they have to be in an activity and they have to be great at that activity and they have to get awards and everyone has to say, wow, look at you. And somehow you're going to be great in the future because you're great at some random high school activity. The purpose that has to keep just reverberating from our heart in into our parenting is I want my child to someday be a young man or a young woman that knows how to follow God and knows how to fall in love. And what's the third one? Knows how to raise a kid. If those three elements are strong in in the young man and young woman that you've raised as a parent, you're going to sit back and say, yeah, yeah, you'll be proud and you'll be satisfied. I want to give you something to talk about in, at your tables for a second. We do this in class all the time at school. We'll give kids a chance to talk because I talk too much sometimes. I want to give you three scenarios and then I want you at your table just to discuss it for 60 seconds, 90 seconds. First scenario was uh, a coach I was talking to on a baseball field one time. And he was a coach slash dad. His son was on the team. I think he was 17 years old, the the son was. And the father spends much of the year getting his son to baseball tournaments all across the Midwest and spending all weekend doing it, just just much of the year. He said this to me. He said, at least, even if this is my son's last game he ever plays in, at least I'll know that he got to do some cool things that we didn't get to do when we were kids. Now, hearing that statement, I want you to discuss with your pals around you, what do you think about that statement? What do you think about that? Discuss that together for about 90 seconds.
All right, comment anyone? Comment anyone? Anyone want to give a comment to that? Dad living through his son. Can that be a little bit of guilt parenting that somehow for me to be a great parent, I have to give great things to my kid? How about giving our kids purpose? So that when they reach the harvest time in life, they have a large field and a large harvest. Check this out. This was, in a, this was years ago in a financial peace uh, university class. Young man, about 32, with a wife and a couple kids. He told his story and he said this. When I was a teenager, my, my parents turned the basement of our house into my own separate apartment. Everything I needed to live. Full bathroom, full fridge. They bought me a, a nice new car. They gave me a credit card and said, use this for all your gas, whatever you need. Gave him everything that he wanted. He said, I still have a credit card in my wallet today. My parents say I can use for my emergencies. He said, my parents gave me everything I wanted, but they never taught me how to be responsible. He said, I hate them for it. The purpose of parenting is not to see how much we can bless our kids. You can start saving yourself some money. What's the, what's the purpose? What's the purpose? Don't let guilt. Listen, there are some, there are some days I'll speak for myself. There are some days where I wasn't such a good father. That doesn't change the purpose of parenting. And sometimes we, we let guilt drive our parenting and cause it, oh, I better take my kid on a great trip. I better buy them something new because, no. Don't forget the purpose of parenting. There are days in the classroom where I am just so engaging and so interesting and the kids are just right there. The other 80% of the time, I'm not very interesting. <laughs> and some of those students look at me like, help us out here. This, we, we got 30 more minutes of this. Can we ring a bell or do something? And if I have a kid... On one of my bad days where I just, I know I'm boring. I'm, t- I'm like, I am, I know it. I'm boring today. Sorry, I'm tired. On my bad days, I don't then allow bad behavior. Well, you know, you can misbehave because I, I'm not very good today. No. I still have a job as a teacher to instruct and chain, train the child. Shut your mouth. I know I'm boring. Shut your mouth. You can tell your kid, you know what? Yeah, I wasn't perfect, was I? But what's your job, child? And the fact that your father isn't always perfect doesn't mean that you're going to somehow get the easy way out of this, kid. Purpose or parenting. Will they know how to follow God? Will they know how to fall in love? Will they know how to raise a kid? We can't get lost in all these pressures right here. I got four minutes and I just want to kind of make some personal, um, personal comments. I, I usually do that in the classroom, talk to kids personally. 
you know, farming and parenting, they have a lot of parallels. Could you imagine back in the day, I think about Little House of the Prairie. Anybody Little House of the Prairie fans back in the day? The rest of you guys are too tough for it. I know that. Can you imagine being a, a man and you have, basically all you have as far as your possessions, a team of oxen, and you got this barn over here that you built and this little house over here you built and this large plot of land. And now all you have are these seeds. This pouch of seeds represents you getting to eat and your family getting to eat. At this point, these seeds are your most prized possession. And now you're going to go throw them in the dirt. You're going to take all you have and throw it in the dirt. And as a farmer, you've done the work to prepare the ground. And you've planted the seeds. And then now all you can do at that point is say, Oh God, send me some rain. As a parent, we don't determine the results of our kids. We're not in control. We're not in control of our kids. We're not, we're, we're not in charge of their destiny. It's God's child. But sometimes as a parent, you feel like a farmer on a dry, dusty day. And you got nothing. You can't make it rain. God, send me some rain. You ever feel like that with your kids? God, send some rain on my kids. Because all we can do is help throw out some seeds. God send some rain. And uh, Johnny, if you ever want me to speak again, give me about a one week notice. Because six weeks to think about this, I feel like I've been pregnant. It's just being recorded. And so this is on my heart. I want to share this verse with some of you guys. This is in Leviticus. It says, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. And the land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Psalm 112, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Deuteronomy 440, you shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you. The very best thing you can do to raise your kids is for you to follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. There are men in this room who are great examples of what it's like to follow God. And when you follow God, you are blazing a trail for your sons and daughters to follow in. I look at Randy DeBell, and there's a man who faithfully walked with God. And God reigned upon his household. And probably most of the time, the only thing Randy did was be faithful to God. If you'll just be faithful to God, 
you'll be demonstrating to your kids every single day what they someday need to do. I look at Brent Green, who's just a hard-working, faithful man. I said, he's just a hard-working, faithful man. Oh, that all of us wouldn't be just a hard-working, faithful man. We live in a world that's crazy with things like fame and fortune. And if you don't have fame or fortune, well, are you really anything? Can I just say to all the men of the house that when you faithfully walk with God, you do not know the battles that you are winning over the lives of your children. When you faithfully walk with God, there are things that are being crushed in the spiritual realm over the lives of your kids because you have been faithfully walking with God. Parenting isn't about being really intelligent. It's not about having all these answers. Sometimes you just get up and say, I'm going to faithfully walk with God. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to love my woman. I'm going to sow seeds into my children and God's going to bring rain upon my family. And last night as I was praying, I just sensed in my heart that God wants to do a miracle in someone's family. You might be here today and you're like, "Mm, my family is just like a slinky down a spiral staircase. I don't know where it's going, but it seems like there's a crash landing coming. There's some guys in this room. What you need to do is just shut out all the noise and shut out all the fear and worry. And in faith, make a personal stance. God, I'm going to follow you like I never have before, and I'm going to trust you with my family. You do not need to have all the answers. You don't have to figure it all out. But some of you, you're at that place right now. You need a miracle. And I'm telling you, a miracle is something that God does, not you. So would you hear that today? Johnny, go ahead and come. I love you guys and the chance to be here, but you want to lead us in some prayer, whatever you want to do with this. So thankful for a man who's walked this walk. And I know in this breakfast, we've seen a lot of men like the Randy DeBells uh, and the Mark Delaney's who are on now the other side, who have done what they said and what's on this board today, which is, you know, every, every one of those points you think, oh my gosh, I need to do that. Oh my gosh, I need to do that. And if you're in a position where you have, I was thinking about a lot of you guys who may have already had kids have already come through your house. Um, you know, it's never too late to pass on to someone else or to mentor someone else who you know as a parent. Maybe it's your own children who is now a parent um, and help them get to this place because these simple, it, it's, it's funny how simple the gospel is, how simple God's way is. Very, very simple, very principled. But it's it's, it's the, the scripture that says a faithful man will abound with blessing. Your blessing is being faithful day in and day out uh, to what God's asked you to do and, and to some of these principles. So let's pray this morning and then... Um, I wanted to let you know that we'll have prayer partners over here on, the, on this side of the room. So afterward, um, we'll have music playing. Just feel free if you need prayer for anything. Um, real quick before, uh, before I pray, next month we will have um, Joel Pepin will be our speaker August 5th. Uh, and he is principal here at Lincoln, um, got, has young children, 
another one of those guys, just a faithful guy. He's a, he's a referee. He's a security guard here. You, you find him all over the place, but he's the, he's the second youngest of 10 children. So he has got a lot of stories about uh, sharing <laughs> and about uh, heeding um, his messages on, on being humble uh, to hear God's voice uh, in the story of Moses. So very, very excited about that. Another faithful guy who will be here to share with us. But for now, let's pray and we'll get you guys on, on to your work day. Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your presence this morning and to hear from a man, Father, who is faithful, Lord, who, uh, whose house is full of good fruit. Lord, we're thankful that uh, you call us not to be perfect, Lord, but to be forgiven, Lord, and to be ones who can follow after you day in and day out, Lord, no matter what the cost. Lord, help us all as men to stay the course, Lord, to be on, on the path, Lord, that you've called us to be on, Lord, to hear your voice every day, Lord, to be up early in the morning or late at night, Lord, that we would rise with you, we would go to bed with you every night, Father, hearing your voice, knowing what you've called us to do. We're so grateful, Father, for a place like this that allows us to have this breakfast, Lord, to hear from great men like Mark Delaney. Lord, bless him, bless his household. Lord, thank you for what he does, Lord, to teach and invest in our children. Lord, to raise up a generation of people who understand what it means to live by principle, what it, mean, what it means to follow after you no matter what the cost, Lord. I know in these days it's difficult for so many young people to follow you at any cost, Lord, especially when they see all around uh, people who are not living by principles, Lord, that it's, it's uh, I'll live by, by what I think is best, Lord, instead of following your word and doing what you say is best, Lord, and reaping the benefits of a life of being faithful. Thank you for these men, Lord. Thank you for their uh, heart to serve you, Lord, their heart to be here early on a Friday to hear from, your, uh, hear from you and hear, hear your voice. Bless them, Lord, each one in, in the sound of my voice. Bless them today and their families and their households. We pray over each one that would uh, continue, these guys would continue to follow after you, Lord, hear your voice and the voice of the stranger they wouldn't hear. Thank you that we've been with you today, Father, and pray for a stellar weekend this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen.